You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey, queens, get your cocktail ready and your snark up, because Katie and Nathan are starting so soon on this new episode for your trashy queen hearts. I'm Alicia. You may recognize my voice from the Trashy Divorces podcast, but y'all, if you're into true crime and hot society gossip and criminal trials of the rich and famous and literature, please check out my new solo podcast. It's called Done and Done. D-O-N-E and D-U-N-N-E. That's right. It's a whole podcast about the writings of Dominic Dunn, the trials, the crimes, the gossip. The first eight episodes are available for free on your podcast players right now. Done and Done drops on Monday. And now that I am done and done with this introduction, raise a glass. Welcome Katie and Nathan for this episode of Queen's Podcast. Oh, I forgot to warn y'all. There's probably going to be some cussing in this episode too. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about badass women in history. Hey, Nathan. Hey, Katie. You Y'all can't see, but Nathan is still rocking his furry Russian hat as we... One more time, we're gonna celebrate, oh yeah, all night to keep it dancing. Yes, one more time, we're gonna talk about Catherine the Great. This is our first ever four-part. How do you... Because like for... I get really frustrated when there's not a whole lot of information to research somebody, but with Catherine mm. the Great, I feel like I also got really frustrated that there was so much information. It was a little bit overwhelming, yeah. and we had to leave out some fun stories. I feel like it's, I get more frustrated when there's too much information because I feel like I'm leaving stuff out. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like when that happens, I'm like, oh, but that's so important. I know. But that's so important. But that's so important. And you're like, ah, but we could literally talk for 10 days yeah. about this. She could have been a 10 part episode, but so fascinating. Not a perfect person who is. But I'm excited to wrap up the rest of her life. It's like we're. It's like we're like ending a relationship, though. I know. I'm kind of sad. It's the last time I'm going to wear this hat. Why? And I look fabulous. You should, you should just, I feel like, I mean, Nathan just got a promotion at his day job, and we were talking about getting headshots f- for the show, mm. so I think you should just wear that hat in your professional headshots, you know? All right, so Nathan, where did we leave Catherine? So Catherine had just scored a major win in the Russo, uh, Russo, Russo, <laughs> Russo, Turkish, <laughs> uh, Russo, Turkish war, where she gained a lot of land and got that money for Russia, honey. So she's in love with Grigory Potemkin and possibly has gotten married. Maybe Question mark. I, 
I like so last time we kind of touched on that maybe she got married, but like it seems like most major historians believe that they they did get legally married. Good for her. I'm lit. But she didn't but she was like, "But I don't want you to have any power without me, so we can't tell anybody." <laughs> so, she also has a son who wants more power. And she's not really ready to give it Mm-mm. to him just yet. About <laughs> <Not> that. <laughs> so, now you're 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 all caught up though, really if you're just joining this, you should probably back up to part yes, one. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, up to this point, Catherine Catherine has had like a struggle trying to pass laws because there's, you know, just a lot of pushback and Russia is still really stuck in the Middle Ages in a lot of ways. But now that she's won this war, got them all this money and land, she's really popular. So she's just like, um, I'm just going to push push a bunch of regulations through. And if y'all don't like it, fuck you. Because there's no checks and balance with the monarchy in Russia. She just rams it. I am going to do what I want. I'm just going to make some reforms. Suck it if you don't like it. So remember that legislative commission that she tried to pull together with all like those representatives from all over Russia. And it was a clusterfuck. Yeah. She's like, I'm not doing, I'm not doing that. (laughs) Not doing that again. Just gonna. Done. We're making some budget cuts this year. And that's one of the programs. Unfortunately, we had to. Bye. (laughs) All right. So here are some of the really cool reforms she makes. Um, she sets up a school for girls. Oh my god, what girls? I know. Girls I know in education. See, see, you would think because of their lady bits, they need all the thinking for their lady bits for making the babies, but it turns out they can be educated too, Nathan. I am shook. I so Yes. <laughs> she also implemented a bunch of like quote unquote founding homes throughout the country, which as short for or long for orphanage uh while you know there were orphanages before these founding homes were created they weren't necessarily state regulated so so it could just be a bunch of orphans just sleeping on the floor with rats you know crawling over them or something so now we actually had like regulations and we had like a system put into place to make sure that they weren't getting shat on by rats yes um yay and she was also like okay at these orphanages you're gonna like provide an education for these children wait katie katie pump the brakes they need an education again we got again i know i know people are like why would these orphans need to know and she was it's not like she was like being like ivy league education for all the orphans but like hey let's um (laughs) teach them how to fucking read and she got major pushback from that and she was like did i stutter Continue, you know. I I love it. I know. <laughs> but I mean, at the end of the day, educated people do better. Yes. Huh, huh. Imagine, just teach them how to fucking read and just don't ask me why again. Okay? Just fucking do it. <laughs> because I said so, that's why. I'm little mother, remember? 
And I said so. The little mother. Yes. <laughs> so the Cadet Corps, which was like this naval military school, was now acquired to teach other subjects besides just military. So these soldiers. 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 Hello, soldiers. soldiers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so these soldiers <laughs> were going to be able to read and have a basic working knowledge of, you know, geology and history well geography i don't know if they went into geology geology <laughs> <laughs> but no isn't wow. isn't that wild that these soldiers that were being trained to go like all over the world and fight for russia weren't being taught geography so like they didn't know and so now it's like how about we teach them where they're going and so like they know where yeah. they know where prussia is they know where poland is they know you yeah, just, this is what your country that you're defending looks like. Right! <laughs> Imagine that. Revolutionary. In 1782, she passed uh, the police ordinance, which basically was like, at this point, there had been like this, there'd been a police corps, there'd been like policemen in Russia, but protect and serve wasn't actually, wasn't really their thing. It was more of like intimidate and kill. And so she was like, no, the police are going to be regulated. We need to make sure that they're serving the population, not just intimidating. Um, which I mean, yes, yes. That's how, <laughs> that's how it should be. That's how uh, law enforcement should treat their citizens. She also wrote to uh, Voltaire about all these reforms. Maybe you've heard of him. She, yeah, maybe you've heard of him. Uh, she said she'd bring Russia into the you know modern days little by little, quote unquote. Yeah. So this is a time when she's slowly but progressively making really great changes in Russia. Exactly. Like vaccines. Oh, you mean those things are actually okay for you? Yeah. Yes. Uh, maybe not. Maybe not back then, though. <laughs> right. So this actually happened earlier in her reign, but we just didn't have time to talk about it in the last episode. But this story is just bananas. So remember smallpox and how it was like killing or like permanently damaging huge numbers of people for all of history? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just minor inconvenience yeah so (laughs) i don't remember smallpox because it was eradicated in the united states in the 1980s because of vaccines and yes um but at the time in the 1700s smallpox was a huge fucking deal and like remember her husband peter got it and after he got it like it fucked up his face it fucked up his personality it fucked up his bodily functions like I mean, if you fuck with my face in general, I'm probably going to have mental issues after that. Yeah. Anyway. So it was. Uh, but I mean, it's basically if it doesn't kill you, it scars you for life. Yes. Both emotionally <laughs> and physically. Yeah. So when Catherine like gets word that there's something that she could like take or have injected into her that would stop her from ever getting it or would stop her people from ever getting it. She is like, science. Yes, I am horny for this fucking science. Uh, so she invited this British doctor named uh, Thomas Dimsdale to court in St. Petersburg to inoculate her. And the people of Russia are thinking, this is just crazy. What is she like, doing? They were like, oh, honey, what is you doing? 
But I mean, for real though, you don't hear like the first person in line to get an experimental vaccine is not the president of the United States. Right. <laughs> right. You don't do you don't do that. You know, you I don't want to say that other people are lesser than, which good on you, Catherine, yeah. for being like, I'm no better than you, but still Oh, baby girl, what is you doing? I know. People thought she was crazy, but I love that, that she's, like, leading by example. She's like, I mm-hmm. we need to trust the scientist, and this has happened. And everyone's like, no, nope, not going to do it. And so she's like, fine, fuck it. I'll do it. Um, also, back then, the way that you got inoculations was a lot more gruesome than, like, Ew. like they would um, now, you know, you just. I kinda, I'm kind of intrigued. So, like, what? It's actually not that far off, you know, in the great, whenever she like self inoculated herself. It's not that far off. Like, they would do basically take like the icky stuff from inside someone's smallpox, you know, mm. boils or whatever, um, cut you three times on your arm. Like just slash slash open your arm a little bit and put it in there. And that's like how inoculations worked at the time. So you could see why some people would be like, oh, I know. like even now I'm like, oh, no, no, thank you. Yeah. So they thought she was actually completely nuts. <laughs> so the doctor comes to the palace and they agree that he he can leave his carriage with his horses hooked on uh so that's actually right outside the room where he was giving the inoculation which is like i'm gonna keep my keys running yeah right. yeah it's like I, i'm gonna leave the car running in case i need to make a getaway because and like Catherine was like yeah if something goes wrong i don't want people to come for you because i've made this they're gonna skirt yeah. out of there right <laughs> So yeah, that was like her big vaccines work people PR campaign. And after she got it, she had her son Paul get it. And then 20,000 Russians were inoculated. That's still by no means like all like a huge chunk of the population. But that was most of the people at the time were just of a mind of like, this is completely over my head. So the fact that she took that risk, you like utilize the science available to her and not like delegating that to somebody else. I just think is really cool. Yeah. She took a, she took a chance. Yeah. You know, that was not a, that was not an easy procedure to go through and come out. Okay. Especially whenever it was still kind of considered like experimental, you know? Yeah, and they actually saw a big drop in the smallpox cases and deaths after that. Yeah, less so, people carrying cool. it, less like, I, I think that's really, really cool. And she later wrote Voltaire that people who refused to get the vaccine were, quote unquote, either blockheads, ignorant, or just wicked. Love it. So we're just going to leave that there and move on. Um, <laughs> I wish, I, ugh! I wish that everything about Catherine could be cash money. There is this meme that was posted in our Facebook discussion group. Yes. Where I it's know what you're talking yeah, about. where it's like um it's like Gordon Ramsay looking happy and the caption is like learning about a new historical figure and then it's Gordon Ramsay looking like he's about to cry and it's like learning about their attitude towards Jewish people and it's like oh and that's where the pale of settlement comes in to this story 
I know, it's like, I wish we didn't have to talk about it, but we have to talk about the bad shit yeah. because it's you know, part of their legacy. I thought about, yeah, I thought about even leaving this out just because there's other stuff we've left out because it doesn't necessarily move the story forward. It's just a thing that happens. So there's other stuff that we've left out too. Yeah, but yeah. I feel like that would be doing a disservice to anybody that might be listening who comes from a Jewish family from Poland or something like that, leaving out this really big... That's their history. We have to talk about it. Oh, Kathy, no. So basically, like, what happened is that, you know how they're, like, taking all this land from all these other places. Yeah. yeah. Before they annexed a bunch of land from Turkey and Poland, they didn't really have Jewish people in Russia. So, um... Or they were like such small communities that it wasn't anything that really came to her attention. There's a, there were a lot of Jewish families in Poland. And so like overnight, they become like the biggest minority in Russia. Like literally overnight. And that's not a good thing. Oh, God. <laughs> Catherine designated this area because so many people, so many... Russian citizens viewed them. It wasn't even about like the religion. It wasn't like with, you know, cause like with Isabel of Castile, it was like, they're not Christians. We got to convert them or kill them. It wasn't a religion thing in Russia. It was more like, they're going to come here and try to like steal our jobs. And like, they took our germs. They took our germs. Yes. And so Catherine's, Catherine's like, okay, here's my solution. She designated a, I mean, it's a huge chunk of land. The Pale of Settlement is what it's called. And it's like way west Russia. And she was like, that's where the Jewish people can live. But just like separate but equal. Anytime we've read that, like in American history with slavery. Segregation doesn't work. It's never going to be separate but equal. The people that lived in the Pale of Settlement, like they didn't get money from the government for like programs that other places get. They had... It was just a shitty place to live. You didn't want to live there, you know? And it doesn't really seem it was a religion thing like with Isabella of Spain. So Isabella of Spain like banished them because it was like Christianity. We hate the Jews. Right. It was a Russian people believing all of the rumors that they've heard Mm -hmm. about the Jewish people being like taking your money and they're, Mm -hmm. you can't trust them and they're, Big, bad, and scary. Uh, but, you know, because bag of dicks, a bag of dicks. Yeah. History's a bag of, <laughs> history's a bag of uncircumcised dicks. Oh. Um, they're not Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, let's say if, like, it was just a shitty place for them to live. And every now and then you could basically get, like, a visa to leave the pale and go work in Russia proper. But it was, like... Very rare cases. Like, let's say in Poland, you were you were a Jewish person from Poland and you had been like like a law professor or something like that. And you were the best law professor in Eastern Europe. So let's say in Moscow, they're setting up a college and they're like, we need a really great law professor. Oh, we heard about this Jewish guy. Then that guy could apply to go work in Russia under like this very specific set of terms. And him and his family could escape the basically ghettos that were set up in the Pale of Settlement. 
but that was so there was like an out but it was so rare you know what i mean you had to be a you had to be appointed basically you basically appointed yeah someone, a higher up that was like you're gonna take this job but yeah so little miss enlightenment catherine here isn't so great mm-hmm. whenever it comes to diversity is what we're getting at no and that fucking sucks but i mean you do we do have to talk about it because it's you know being racist towards jewish people is not good right so we'll leave it at that right Uh exactly with lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course, you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. Things done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. Exactly. Every queen, every queen is going to be problematic. Let's be real, guys. Yeah. Because it's fucking history, and history is just problematic in general. But here's here's something random from the time period. So the English are having problems with this little cluster of colonies they ruled over, um, and this little cluster of colonies, colonies. was called colonies was called America. Discuss, discuss um, America. <laughs> The American exper- Ro- experiment. How Rhode Island is neither a road nor an island. <laughs> Disgust. Uh- <laughs> so, this little distant place was called America. And the English look like America. Okay, I'm going to stop. Okay, thank you. So they're like, look at these Americans. They're like fighting for their independence. And France is starting to join them. We might need some help, guys, because this is looking like it's going to be a shit show. Yes. And they they phone a friend, and that friend is Russia. And they're like, hey, can you, like, pop on over? And, you know, since you just happen to have the biggest army of all time, um, <laughs> let's go ahead and help me out here, bro. Help us sh- uh, shut this great. down. Help us squash this. And Catherine was like, one... I'm not trying to be at odds with France, which... Yeah, she's got a... She's totally got a boner. She's got a little bit of a French boner, yeah. Um, And two... Oh, wee-wee. Wee-wee. And she's like, also, America... Because they were like, if you come and help us out, we'll give you some land in the colonies. And she's like, what the fuck am I... What? That is so far away. How... I can hardly get to my own... All the lands in my own country. We can hardly map this shit here. 
<laughs> She's like, I can't. What the fuck? The Uber, the Uber wait is like 3,000 years. Yes. So. <laughs> She's like, what the fuck am I going to do? How in the world am I even going to manage lands over in the Americas? So she. But could you like imagine I how know. history would have been different? It's just, we would be in like New St. Petersburg or New Moscow now. Yeah, New Jersey would be New Moscow or something. Absolutely. That's bananas. <laughs> anyway, so I just I thought that was like a cool little what if moment in history, you know? Right? Real quick, do you mind if we take a break so I can get a refill on my drink? Oh, I'm actually like Yo, almost at the end of Look my at us sinking up. Look at us. Yes, it's like I it's like are we going to have our periods? Together? Probably. Yes. Okay, All right, cool. We'll be right back. <laughs> so, why don't we circle back to her relationship? She wants to know what love is. Yes. She wants you to show her. Absolutely. <laughs> Look, like, I don't want to spend too, too much time on her love life because it's very unfair that that's, like, kind of what she's famous for when it was all in all kind of uneventful. Her relationship with Gregory Potemkin I do find quite interesting. So, Well, I mean, and let's be real, though. Here at Queen's Podcast, we do like to spill the tea a little bit. Yes. Just a little tea. Whoops. There's a little tea on your toe. Whoops. (laughs) The hot goss from 200 and something years ago. Yeah, I mm-hmm. love it. So her and Potemkin have a very fiery relationship. And we mentioned it a little bit in the last episode, and it's really about his jealousy. Mm-hmm. So after about three years, Catherine is like, dude, I can't not. And she really did love him more than I honestly think she'd ever loved anybody else or will love anybody else. But their fights and his constant need for, like, approval and reassurance is just annoying as fuck. We all know those people that are like, do I look pretty in this? Do I look great in this? But they need you to, like, constantly Mm -hmm. tell them how funny and great. It's like, okay, wait, I need to distance myself from you and focus on myself. I'm feeling a little um, called out by what you just said, but I'm going to move on. Um, (laughs) Triggered. (laughs) No, but she's like, I can either date you or, like, be with you and constantly be reassuring you that I love you or I can run this country. I don't have the mental bandwidth for both. And she loved being, I mean, she loved being queen even more than she loved Potemkin. So sorry, buddy. Like this isn't, this isn't going to work. So Potemkin didn't take the breakup great though. No. Uh, Catherine did offer him lots of consolation prizes though. Uh <laughs> Namely, ye old huge fucking palace. Right? <laughs> she gave him like one of the largest palaces in St. Petersburg. He was just like, he had it remodeled. He flipped it. He sold it. He's like, I'm kind of digging. He's like, I'm, ke- I'm, I'm keeping my rooms at the at the Winter Palace where you live now. Yeah, she's like, thank you very much, bitch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and she did actually make him prince. So, I mean, I would think he would like that yeah uh, it's a it's a nice title (laughs) even though their like monogamous relationship was over he was still basically her consort they may have still been married even though they were no longer together like in a monogamous relationship 
It's it reminds me of like Madame de Pompadour. You know, yeah. like she kind of fell out of favor, but he still wait, didn't they call him the Madame de Pompadour? No, that was um that was Orlov. Oh, that was, the other that was like Mr. But it, bitch, you need to learn your place. Yeah. Maybe you are Madame de Pompadour. And guess what? She was a badass bitch. So fuck right. Off. Right? Potemkin <laughs> I mean Potemkin remained her closest and dearest friend, top advisor. For the yeah. rest of her life, for the rest of both of their lives. So Madame de Pompadour is actually a really great um, comparison because Madame de Pompadour stayed. Yeah, there. I would be honored. Yeah. Do they do they hold? Do they hand out Madame de Pompadour awards? Because <laughs> I need one. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yes. How do I apply? We would fight to the death. We would fight to the death for it. If they made us duel, I would duel. <laughs> I would let you have it. I feel like <laughs> Katie's like. Eh, fuck I'm it. not very competitive. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway <laughs> yeah Catherine, Catherine was like i have this huge undertaking for you uh guess what we're annexing crimea because fucking russia right i know what <laughs> that's I, what they did when i was when we were i was researching this part about russia annexing crimea like i googled it to see like what year to like make my timeline and it was like 2014 and i was like okay wait no um. No. <laughs> oh my gosh they just don't like it's like that friend that you invite to the party you're like can you go can you go hello um, we don't want you here stop yeah stop trying to annex us fuck you uh go home uh this is a huge deal though because crimea is lucrative obviously they're still fighting for yeah. it it's like right in the middle of the sea, so it's really prime property. Yeah, the prime Black Sea opened, the, now gave them direct access to the Black Sea, opened up like, it was like a whole new world of trade possibilities. And um, I really like that song. Maybe yeah. you should coin it. Oh, wait, someone already knows. Oh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> don't sue us, Walt Disney. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> it was, she was like, we've got these lands, we've got all this new we i need someone to go in and build a city i need someone to go in and take this land and make them profitable you're the only person i can trust to do it and i think that one fanned his ego oh for sure he was already that kind of he guy. was he was a bit of a cocky guy but eh, yeah cocky guys can be fun um <laughs> so it fanned his ego and it gave him a direct purpose because he always needed to feel like he was important and so she's like this is the most important job that anybody in russia has ever been given and i can't trust anybody but you with it and it also got him like 500 miles away <laughs> yeah that, that added bonus yes. added bonus so needless to say they started an open relationship that would last for the rest of their lives um and I really don't think we'll mention any of these other lovers except maybe like one of them mm -hmm. because it really, again, we've already said this, it's not fucking important. No. Because what, did we really talk about every single woman that a king fucked? No. Right? Like her contemporary at the time, the king in France, not Marie Antoinette's husband, but the Louis before him, had like, mm -hmm. we can't even count how many mistresses he had nobody's no and literally nobody's keeping count and nobody exactly. and nobody's <laughs> nobody cares and she was a serial monogamous that yeah she had a boyfriend throughout like it she always had a boyfriend throughout her whole life but it was always 
Just what, like, it's just so stupid. And but Tim Hume would actually check out the potential new boyfriends. Mm-hmm. So Catherine's like, meet bachelor number one. And Tim is like, meh. Yeah. Meet bachelor number two. <laughs> okay, cool. I like it. And so if she liked whoever he picked, she'd make him her quote unquote favorite. Mm-hmm. So he'd have some, he'd have some rooms at the palace and income and he had everything that he could want. She really set up her men with some really good deals here. Right. Um, and then when they broke up, Catherine would give him a title an income, a job, a house, you know, basically two years with Catherine and she's your girlfriend and you never have to like work. You're your set for again. life. You're set for life. Sugar. Sugar mama. She was so sure. good to her ex-lovers. She even the ones that like it didn't end well. It was still like, fine, here's here's a cush ass job, you know, being the ambassador to whatever. You know, like she really made mm-hmm. sure they were taken care of. Um, however, at this like there are documented times when she was definitely in a relationship with one of her favorites, but Potemkin would write from the Crimea being like, uh from Crimea being like I'm lonely. And like in one of those letters, she writes basically like, well, husband, come home to your wife. Your wife can't wait to see you, which makes it confusing for us to research their relationship. (laughs) I like, again, Katie, I really like that song, but this time (laughs) it's not copywritten. No, it's just a confusing relationship from history. I mean, but she's a complicated, complicated (laughs) figure. And so of course her relationship was complicated. She's still referring to him as husband. What did they do whenever she got there? If like her and Potemkin went to bed together, did she just tell the favorite, like you have the night off? Like I don't. Uh, Carry on. So anytime she's in between boyfriends, he'd just pop up out of nowhere and they'd have like a few weeks and they'd rekindle the relationship and everything's back to normal. And then he'd go back to Crimea. So it's this long distance, open relationship. But I think it worked for them. Little creepy side note. Potemkin had five nieces and he had affairs with three of them. I, I, different times. Cause you remember from episode one, Catherine's uncle proposed to her. So I guess so fucking weird. I guess that was a little bit more accepted back then, but, but um, Queens podcast official Gross. stance on that is ew. <laughs> ew that is a direct quote from yes, us exactly yes <laughs> so the only other boyfriend that we really want to mention isn't crucial to the story or anything we just want to mention him i just like him i want to talk about him just because i like him he seems like a nice guy his name is alexander longsoy and Catherine was 30 years older than him so get it cougar mm-hmm. and they started dating in 1780 so about three years after Catherine and Potemkin ended their relationship. So she was with Lane Scoy for about four years. He reminds me of a golden retriever. He is, he's handsome. He's likable. He's sweet. He's loyal. He's just a very good boy. And I just, he's just a good boy. And I just really (laughs) like him. One, because as we always see with like, mistresses and like different stories like that they're the favorites usually have some kind of political ambition he had yeah. he, he did not he he that was all way over his head he was not interested he stayed in his lane he stayed, he in, stayed his in his lane, lane. 
He also went out of his way to make sure that he understood Catherine's interest. Like, for, oh my God, he is such a. Good I boy. know. For instance, like she, he knew she loved to speak in French. She loved to read French French philosophy. His French kind of sucked, so he was like, "Can I hire a French tutor?" And she was like, "Yes." Well, the French and learning—it's like two of my favorite things. Yes, let me hire you a French tutor. If she knew, yeah, or she, or or she'd be like really into this book, so he'd stay up all night reading it and didn't really understand most of it because let's get let's be real guys wasn't really that educated uh a lot of this shit was way over his pay grade but Uh, (laughs) i mean he would like go out of his way like he would talk to like her advisors being like i read this book that i know she likes can we chat about it a little bit so that he could like he didn't give a fuck about this stuff he just wanted to make sure like at dinner she had engaging conversation they could debate about it they could like I just think he's so sweet and like he really seemed to love her. He tended like, it kind of sounds like a sexual euphemism, but it's not. He tended her garden. Her garden was very, <laughs> her her garden was very important to her and she didn't have time to keep trimmed it up. the bushes. He's so, so, so yeah, he literally trimmed her bushes. <laughs> he just seems really nice and I really liked him. But of course, I think Katie. I think if you could see Katie, she's got hearts in her eyes. I right do. Now. <laughs> I like Big Alexander. Heart. But of course, because he's the nice guy, he dies. Yeah, yeah, he has to die. We can't. We can't have him around. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? No. Me? Uh, so after about four years into their relationship, um, he gets sick all of a sudden and dies. And of course, there's rumors in foreign courts that she fucked him to death or that she gave him like an aphrodisiac that killed him or something like no he it's 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 the 18th century people just people just get sick and die it's just right and catherine though she mourns hard uh she's not coming out of her room for anybody she's not eating she refuses to sleep it really fucked her up Mm -hmm. for sure uh, she wouldn't even go see her grandsons, uh, Alexander and Constantine, who she loved deeply. She was very, she loved those kids. Like, she never got to be a mother. She got to be a grandmother. So people were like, oh, if she doesn't want to see her grandsons. Something's really up, yeah. for sure. So someone wrote to Potemkin, who was down in Kiev, and was like, man, uh, you need to come and get your girl, because uh, she's down in the dumps right now. Yeah. And so Potemkin dropped what he was doing, because he's, I think he's also kind of a good guy too. And hauled his ass up to St. Petersburg to console her. And though she was, you know, really still grieving at this point, it did work for her. And she did slowly end up joining yeah. the court again. It helped so her. That was good. It, he helped her see, look, what you need, you, you still owe this country a leader, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're, you're right. I think Potemkin is a good guy deep down as well, but he's not like Lance Goy where he's like a golden retriever. Very good boy. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> please, please love me. Love me. Uh, that around that same time, excuse me. Do you remember Gregory Orloff? The um, oh, Lord child, that guy. Her. Oh yeah. Her old boyfriend. Um, he was the one that was coup with coup. Coup with a coup. So he died. And even though they hadn't, it, like a long time had passed since their relationship, it still really affected her. It, I mean, they, 
she they were together for 13 years it might you know like of course as it should yeah (laughs) um at the end of orlov's life though he was a really rich guy and he left all of his money all of his lands all of his wealth to this random count this like young guy in his early 20s this count and everyone's like who the fuck is that right who the fuck is is you leaving all your money to it was remember how the two of them had a son secretly together oh yeah it was to him he left a huge fortune to their son that neither oh, of them got really to be like a, bad about it. Yeah, he, neither of them got to be part of their son's life. But so I love that Orloff got to recognize him in that way. So I really liked that. That was cool. okay. Yeah, yeah. So speaking about her boyfriends, uh, don't think really care anyone cared in Russia about it. No. <laughs> like we just said, Louis had how many fucking mistresses, and nobody said a damn thing about it. They in fact were like, "Good for you." You know, <laughs> well, in fact, like when Marie Antoinette's husband didn't cheat on her, they were all like, "Ooh, hello, what's wrong? Gay much? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> gay much." <laughs> uh, but in European courts, there were these rumors that are just flying about how she's got hundreds of lovers and she's uh, she's hanging from the ceiling, swinging from the chandeliers, fucking 20 different dudes. I mean, it's just... The Winter Palace is ridiculous. just full of sex swings and dildos all over the place. And it's like, no, she's like... Where do I... But where do I get the invite? Yes. Also, also jealous. <laughs> I think they're jealous. <laughs> it's so infuriating. Yeah, in real life, she's this serial monogamous who's mourning her lover and everyone thinks she's like this fucking whore which there's nothing wrong with being a fucking there's whore, nothing wrong i mean <laughs> but it's just it just shows that it's like powerful woman we need to discredit her slut you know like it's just really <laughs> oh it's such a bag of dicks it's such a bag of dicks i know okay let's but let's refocus back to statesmanship with Crimea because Potemkin has been down in Crimea in their new lands setting up everything, making it all pretty, hanging Christmas lights Uh, they wanted it to be like the Russian capital of the south Mm -hmm. because Crimea's right there, it could save the country with trade it's got a huge port, like you know port cities are a big deal and so much of Russia is landlocked, you know so Potemkin has been down there in the new fucking lands, busting his fucking ass, making it into a functioning society. And this dude is a workaholic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's working every day, every night, years and years. And I don't doubt this research. I think it's 100% accurate that he probably only, like, he's one of those guys that sleeps like two hours a night. I could see it. And then wakes up and then just immediately starts working. So obviously, This starts to age him. Mm -hmm. So when he feels like the towns are looking good, he writes to Catherine. He was like, I want you to come do a tour of your new capital. I want you to like, come see everything. Come see my hard work. He's proud. He wants to show her what he's done. So at this point, Catherine is in, I think her late fifties. I think she's like 58 at this point. Basically all her advisors were like, I really don't think you should travel that far. So it is, it's a trek. 
she's like, I, I'm going to see my brand new lands. And they're like, okay, well, maybe if you left in the late spring and came back in the late summer, that'll work. And she's like, no, I'm leaving in January. Now. I'm, I'm <laughs> We're leaving. going now. I don't know if you know this about Russia, but it gets cold. So January <laughs> would have not uh, been the ideal time for older like that to travel. No, not not good. Mm-mm. This is a big fucking deal. You know, mm-hmm. she didn't give a single shit though. She's gonna, she's gonna make this fucking trek, and no Russian monarch has done it either. No Russian monarch has done it in so long. But Catherine has always been one for big, overdramatic statement pieces, and this is one of them. You mean, you mean really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so she really wanted to bring her grandsons, Alexander and Constantine. And they're like little, they're like, I don't know, like 10 and 8 or something like that. I would like to point out something interesting real quick, because she named Alexander and Constantine, and they are both named after great conquerors, Alexander the Great and Constantine the Great. And so she very much meant for Alexander, obviously, to then be Tsar of Russia sometime, but Constantine, she meant for him to take over as emperor of their Turkish lands. Because I don't know if you know this, that Istanbul was Constantinople. Istanbul was Istanbul, not Constantinople. Which is named after Constantine the Great. She she thought it'd be really symbolic and really a good thing for these little babies to go on the tour with her. But her daughter-in-law, Maria, Paul's wife, was like... (laughs) Ah, fuck no. Mm-mm. And she freaked out. And her sons are really little at this time. She's like, OMG, 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 please don't do anything. This is the 18th century bitch. I- I'm sure she said that directly to Catherine too. This is the 18th century bitch and children die of hardly anything right now, bitch. And this winter. No. I mean, I get where Maria's coming from. I don't blame Maria. How do you solve a problem like Maria? <laughs> But no, like you're trying to take my babies hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away in the dead of winter. And there was also, I think, in Ukraine area, some kind of like outbreak of whatever disease was popping at the time. Syphilis. I, well, I don't think her, I don't think her babies no, were going to no. be getting syphilis. I think it was more like malaria, but maybe. I don't know. So I see her cause for concern. And so then Catherine, she's extra. And so she like then throws on this whole like pity me act. And she was like, you would send me an old woman into the wilderness alone with no family to accompany me. And her son Paul's like, I'll go with you. And she's like, I'm good. (laughs) Hard pass. (laughs) Out. Burn. (laughs) God, she left his message on red. Absolutely. (laughs) Poor baby Paul. I know. In history, I don't particularly like Paul, but there are some instances that make me feel so sad for him. And just that his mom, like for real though, Catherine, Catherine just kind of raised Paul to like just a bad situation. Yeah. Because I mean, if you think about it, like in Austria, the Holy Roman Emperor or Empress, excuse me, Maria Teresa and her her son Joseph had a working relationship, if you will. Yeah. You know, they had a relationship where they were co-rulers together. 
So they both called the shots and leaned on each other for certain things and the other did another thing. So it was this working relationship. So Paul really thinks, you know, I wish I had that with my mother. Maybe I'll have that with her one day, but (laughs) big old sad face. Catherine could not stand Paul. We kind of talked about that a little bit last time, but it just puts him in like kind of a shitty plot in life, you know, like... She never mm-hmm. showed him affection. Uh, she never allowed to have him have like his own friends growing up, like friends his age. And so like as he gets older, obviously he's looking for his place in the world. And so he was like, I really want to join the military. I think this is my calling. And she's like, no, way too dangerous. No, you can't be in the military. She's, she's, and then she's she, such a diva and I love it. And then she, he's like, well, I guess I'll try to be a scholar, even though that's not really my thing. And then she's like, don't. Don't teach him to, no, 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 no. We don't want him knowing things. Well, because I mean, her, her, her claim on the throne is shaky at best. Yeah, at best. So if he gets too much support behind him, it could put her in trouble as well. And so he's just left, he's just left with like, what the fuck am I even supposed to be doing? Yeah. So to say that they had a troubled relationship would be an oh, understatement. Yeah. Uh, but still wanted to go on tour with her, like share, uh, yeah. and go share in the new land yes. and share with his mom as a future ruler. And she was like, <laughs> no, no, you should be here with your family. You should take care of your kids. Keep your wife company. You stay here. I cannot imagine being with you nonstop for eight months. Bye. So then he was like, okay, well, you'll be gone for eight months. This would be a great chance for me to be like a co-ruler and step in and govern. (laughs) And then she goes, "Uh, if anyone even thinks about letting him take any decision, You'll be exiled to Serbia, which, spoiler alert, Serbia ain't a good place to go. You know, Paul is a lot like Peter, so he's easy to dislike, but it it's also easy to feel a little bit sorry for him. Right? Yeah. I think, I mean, he's, like, alienated when he's a child. Because, mm-hmm. like, Paul's children, side note, side tangent, Paul's second wife, Maria, the one that's mother to all his children... They were very, very warm and affectionate with their kids. Well, I think it's because it's what happened to Catherine and what happened to, you know, the children before that yeah. was that they were all kind of rushed away because by Empress Elizabeth. But, oh, also, side, side note, Paul didn't drink, which, hallelujah. What? I mean, this is the one time you'll hear me saying that. <laughs> uh, well, but he learned. He learned from his dad. His dad was a drunk at the age of 12. He emulated his father. And so maybe he just always heard people being like, you know, oh, he was such a great man. If only he had drank less. So Paul never drank. Smart decision on Paul's part here. But anyway, Catherine takes off on this momentous journey. And halfway through, she meets up with Holy Roman Emperor, State of Mind, Joseph. Uh, That was his middle name. Yes. And he, she like developed this kind of mentor relationship with him. And Paul was pissed. Wouldn't you be if your mother gave you no rights and like completely treated you like shit, but then there's like a contemporary your age from another country that she treats like her son? Yeah. Oh, and this is uh, Marie Antoinette's brother. Yeah. You know, the the one that talked Louis into, you know, sleeping with Marie Antoinette because he had his ding-dong problems. Yes! Or he or he was gay. Or he was gay. And had ding-dong problems. But 
before she took off, a lot of people tried to talk her out of going. They're like, look, you're old, you're frail, you're a woman, we don't know these lands, what are you doing? And she wrote in her diary, she was like, these people have very poor knowledge of me. They don't know that to oppose me is to encourage me. So it's like the more people told her, you can't go, you can't do this, the more she was like, fuck you. I'm going, I am doing this. Hell, I can't. Uh, her, Her tour of their new lands, huge success. You know, we often talk about kings of France or England going on progress, you know, to see all their lands and people. Mm. That wasn't really a thing in Russia on account of it being like giant. Giant. (laughs) And and people trying to assassinate you every turn of the corner. Uh, This was actually really popular with the people who never had seen her before Mm -hmm. and people came out in droves to come see her and cheered her even though it was a full reason because january russia hello and i think egotistical catherine i think that was part of why she wanted to do it so much so that people could come out and cheer her and she was like oh they just love me so much i don't don't... just me me. me. (laughs) (laughs) but when she arrived to kiev they went by boat and saw all the new settlements Potemkin had created. And she honestly was blown away by what he had built at that point. Yeah. There were like huge cities, thriving ports. There were hospitals, churches, shops, merchants were set up. Like it was, it was great. It was exactly what she wanted him to do. Like it seemed to her like, wow, my man has really come through. So Nathan, I have a question for you. Have you? Question, I have an answer. Okay. <laughs> have you ever heard of the phrase Potemkin villages? I have not. Okay. So basically, it's gone down in history as a phrase that people use for something that is a facade. So okay. after Potemkin like showed these great and thriving cities and lands to Catherine, rumors flew around that actually it was all fake. That it was like cardboard that, buildings and like the... That reminds me of like, I know it's kind of off topic, but it reminds me of like when people go visit like North Korea. They're like, oh, look how beautiful and wonderful this workshop is. But actually it's like fake food and fake stuff. And so, pretending. no, it's interesting that you say that because in the modern day, when people use the phrase Potemkin villages, they're usually talking about North Korea. Oh, makes sense, yeah. makes sense. Clickety, click, click, clack. That's my brain making. That's that's uh, your brain getting it? Clickety, clack, clack, clack. <laughs> that was the rumors that flew around. That's like, there's no possible way this man could have built all that just in a couple of years. It must have been fake. Or he was only showing her like small parts that were built up. But secretly, all the citizens and the serfs are like starving to death. They've all got worms. They're all dying. They've all got worms. Absolutely. So we don't know, though. There's no evidence to support that claim. We don't know. But it doesn't matter because in Catherine's eyes, she saw that this man that she loved and respected so much has gone and done exactly what she asked him to do. And is rocking it, and the Russian Empire is rocking it, and she is so, so proud and and happy. And she writes to Potemkin after she comes back to Moscow, I love you, and I love the service you've provided. Ooh, 
hello. I bet she does like the service. Uh, <laughs> after this trip, Catherine was shreepy. Um, that's very, very sleepy. Yeah. That's gay for sleepy. Shreepy. And soon after there, she was... <laughs> You know, add another war with Turkey again. Uh, so she went to uh, war with Turkey again. Again. And they viewed her journey down south as a direct threat, mm-hmm. which I kind of might too yeah. if I was in. So the new war took a lot of energy. And honestly, she's sleepy. She's sleepy. Like, she's real fucking tired. Like, and in the end, Russian won the second Russo Turkish war, but it wasn't the same. <laughs> huge sweeping victory that it was before (laughs) it wasn't this big pr moment for her like it was before it was kind of almost viewed like why did you let us go to war again we've already we've Mm -hmm. done this this has already happened we didn't need to do it again during that time whilst they were in the second russo-turkish war the french revolution happened and um let me tell you she did not care for the french revolution one bit that's the only thing in france that she didn't care about (laughs) Oh my gosh. I mean, remember if like at the beginning of her reign when there was that huge peasants revolt? I think this gave her flashbacks to that of how shit flashbacks to Nam. Yes. Yes, the the Pugovich, <laughs> was it the Pugovich uprising? Yeah, yeah. Like um, the Pug uprising, the Pug. Yes, she was having some PTSD moments about her own peasants revolt. And she took the French Revolution personally. She is not French. She does not live in France, but she took it very personally. I mean, think about it. What if that happened again? What if this inspired her peasants to revolt again? And she has way more peasants than France does. (laughs) And also, I want you to compare... I'm trying to think of a good... The story of the French Revolution was in every newspaper, every, like if they had had CNN or Fox News, it would be like 24 hours. Like compare the French Revolution to like 2007, Britney Spears shaving her head, same kind of media frenzy coverage. Same thing. Exact same. And so everybody was talking about it. So she was just sort of like, I don't want you guys getting any ideas. I kind of like my head. And Catherine wrote that she would actually help Marie Antoinette in any way that she could. Mm-hmm. She admired her. She was saying that she, you know, it was she was her best friend. She was her sister. You know, she was in the middle of a really, really expensive war. And their resources were spent. So she really couldn't help in the ways that she, you know, if history played out differently, she could have possibly sent troops to help her. I think she wanted to, but she was at war with Turkey. They couldn't. Yeah. And that's like at their front door. France is not. Uh, another piece of revisionist history. What if, you know? Mm-hmm. And when she found out that Marie Antoinette was executed, that was a gut punch to mm-hmm. her. She was devastated. But how do you think history would be different? If she had been able to go in and save Marie. <sighs> I know. It makes me think like would... Would the Berlin Wall be in Spain <laughs> and cut off North Africa? It's so interesting to think about. Or would it have just been like a dipl- diplomatic thing of like, give me the queen and I'll leave y'all alone? Because I I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing to think of how things would have been different if she hadn't been at war with Turkey at the time. Also, 
At the same time, the ruler, the king of Poland, not her boyfriend, the one that followed him, yeah. was Gustav III. He was assassinated. So Catherine's looking around uh, and she's just, she. can we blame her for becoming a little bit paranoid? And let's be real, this was a time when a lot of monarchies were overthrown, too, so can't blame her. No, she's a little like, <laughs> oh, like, it, all of these monarchs are getting killed, and I'm going to do what I can to keep my head. And then she did something that we really would not have expected from her in her early reign at all. Mm -hmm. She stopped publishing books. Of the Enlightenment. Like, that was her... That was her jam. That was her brand. Yeah. That was her brand, man. That was her whole, like, thing that she brought up in Russia. No more. She straight up bans them. And, you know, because this might put these revolutionary ideas into the heads of Russians. Mm -hmm. And she's a super frantic about this French Revolution. It was huge news in Russia. And it was seriously all anyone was talking about at the time. And she wanted everyone to, like... Stop fucking talking about it. That's enough. I don't want to hear about it anymore. So she censors the press. Yeah. yeah that's that's totally not her. Like, who is this woman? <gasps> this is not the same lady that we knew 10 years ago. I know. But at the same point, like, I hate that for her. It's not a good look for her. But at the same point, I don't know that if I, I, I don't, I can't say with, you know, confidence that I would have done anything differently. So at the end of the second Russo-Turkish War in 1791, Great love of her life and her partner and everything, Gregory Potemkin, dies at 52. So Catherine would have been about 62 at the time. Mm -hmm. So right before his death, he had drafted up a treaty that would have ended the Second World War Turkey. Like, he's, he's running a fever, sick as fuck, but drags himself out of bed to negotiate. Like, this dude is a workhorse. Yeah. So... To the very end, he did everything he could to further Catherine's empire. Literally, his last words were said to be, forgive me, merciful mother so sovereign. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, because he died not knowing if the treaty was going to be successful. And so he was like saying, forgive me that I couldn't see this to the end. But it did in the war. Again, it wasn't mm. a huge popular sweeping and like the last one but it did and so like to his very last moment he was thinking about their cause together which is oh. a poor guy i know unsurprisingly Catherine did not take potemkin's death well um mm -hmm. it was i mean it was her best friend her advisor yeah. basically her co-ruler maybe her husband I mean, she put the entire capital city of St. Petersburg in the morning. No parties. No balls. I no. love the drama. I know. I love the drama. No balls. No balls. Well, Katie, what am I ever going to do without balls? Parties, Nathan. I love balls. Parties, Nathan. Oh. oh. Like Cinderella went to the ball. Yeah. Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> So at this point, her health really starts to decline, mm -hmm. um, as a lot of people do, which hashtag makes me worried about Queen Elizabeth II. I know. So soon after this, she starts suffering horrible headaches, gets really sick all the time. And it's not surprising, though, because she really did rely on him physically, mentally, emotionally, everything. Mm -hmm. He's 
been this huge part of her life for like 30 years. Mm -hmm. That's nothing small. And of course, Potemkin's death got her thinking about her own mortality, which again, nothing surprising here. No. And she starts thinking like, okay, what is going to happen after I die? And she looks at Paul and she goes, um, no, no, (laughs) we're not going to do that. And we don't know for sure. This is like the one part of Catherine's life where a lot of her writings were burnt or destroyed or something. But we believe that she put into work a plan that would write Paul out of the line of succession. Because... Which makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Because in Russian history, if you were the sovereign, uh, I think it was Peter the Great, he said you could name your heir. It wasn't like this natural born right. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't every other country. It was something where you were appointed to that position. Yes, exactly. So Catherine's like, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that that would be a good move and starts putting the wheels into motion to make her grandson, Alexander, like make it go straight to him. And um, after Catherine died, much later in her life, uh, Maria, the wife, Paul's wife, admits mm-hmm. that she called her into her office one day. And Catherine was like, I need you to sign this document stating that you'll support Alexander over your son. Ooh, the shade, the shade. Or over your husband. Yeah. And uh, Maria was like, no. No. And Catherine was like, all right, get the fuck out of here then. What? Bye. <laughs> go, 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 <laughs> go away. Uh, despite many setbacks in her last few years, Catherine refused to change her schedule. She got up every morning at 6 a.m., drank five cups of coffee, five which cups is of a, little ex- That's a little excessive. A little coffee. A little, little excessive. <laughs> so she, you know, just now she needed a huge magnifying glass to read, like Grandma, mm-hmm. you know, the big little magnifying glasses to read the paper, the, mor- the morning cartoon. <laughs> but I think it's cool that she still insisted that every morning they bring her the full reports. She still wasn't like, you remember in um, episode... Yeah. Three, we talked about how they were like, we'll bring you the abridged versions of the reports. And she's like, no. Bring- I want the full thing. I want the full thing. I want to know exactly what's happening. So she's still doing that. She's just moving a little bit slower at the moment. Yeah, she was even planning a new battle with her friends in Austria because <laughs> they were fighting the French. Uh, this this uh, French guy. I, how do you pronounce it? I don't know how to say his name. Napoleon? I think it's Napoleon? That can't be right. Anyway, her friends in Austria were fighting this random French guy that certainly won't make any headways. And she was really passionate about, like, we need to get in there and help them. Yeah. And she was meeting with her generals literally up to the last day of her life, planning to take Napoleon down. Because Catherine is fiercely loyal to anybody that is her ally or supports her. Or even her ex-lovers or, like, anybody who she's ever had a connection with. She is ride or die for them. Um, Mm. On November 4th, 1796... Catherine made her last appearance at the Hermitage. We really didn't get to talk about it that much, but Catherine founded a very, a now very, very famous art museum called the Hermitage. Throughout her 30 plus years on the throne, she was kind of obsessed with increasing Russia's art collection. 
and that's where most of it's housed now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, right? Uh, the next day, November 5th, 1796, Catherine woke up and went, you know, about her normally routine. At 9 a.m., her ladies found her on the floor unresponsive. <clears throat> she actually had a massive stroke and died the next day. Oh, I'm so sad. I know. Four-part episode. I love you, Catherine. No. During her time, Catherine, she reformed the Russian education system. She brought Russia from this, like, backwater joke of, like, a country into, like, this this military force that you do not fuck with. Um, she was a huge supporter of the arts. You know how, like, the Russian ballet is so famous now? If mm-hmm. Catherine hadn't been, like, this ardent supporter of it when it during her life, it wouldn't have grown into, like, what it was in the next generation or so. She got Russia in formation. She was like, we're going to get some fucking maps. We're going to know where our lands begin and end. And she expanded on every single border. North, south, east, west. She expanded their lands on every single side. Um, and no, she wasn't perfect. Like we said, her treatment of the Jews, her not doing all that she could to free the serfs, all her censorship towards the end of her reign, which was really weird. Yeah. Uh, it was not a good look for her. But she really did work hard to bring this huge backwater-ass country uh, back into the modern area. And Voltaire would even refer to her as the philosopher empress. Yeah. And she was genuinely mourned by everybody in Russia whenever she passed. So, for the most part. All right. So, the aftermath of her death is that fucking Paul... Paul... Had her will burned. So we don't know. That's why we don't know if she actually tried to pass him over. Because he had her will burned before anyone could look at it. Um, He also, I hate this. He had his father dug up. And at Catherine's funeral, where she laid in state, she had Peter's remains laying next to her. To, like, symbolize that they were this great, like, co-rulership. Fucking rude. Super fucking rude. He also overturned most of Catherine's reforms and overturned the Peter the Great law that a monarch can name whoever they want in the line of succession. So it went back to that, you know, natural born leader, if you will. Uh, The oldest son would get the crown and women were not considered because (laughs) vagina. Bag of dicks. Bag of dicks. History is Mm. bag of dicks. But, But don't worry, guys. Don't worry. Paul was assassinated by his own people just a few years later. So, so we don't fine. usually applaud. We usually don't applaud death, but yeah. But oh, well, cool. <laughs> Catherine's legacy is fucking massive, y'all. Her reign absolutely changed the path that Russia was on, and mostly for the good. Of course, there's like some things that aren't. She wasn't perfect. Obviously, there's that rumor about her fucking a horse, and that's how she died. So, the interesting thing about that rumor is that it didn't start in Russia. It started about 20 years after her death in France or Germany, when France was at war with Russia. Uh, You can't see me, but I'm rolling my eyes so hard right now. So that rumor was actually started as a way to insult the current emperor of Russia's grandmother. Fake fucking news. Fake news. 
So her legacy, her current legacy, extends even to our modern day royal families, mm-hmm. guys. Like her son, Paul, even though we don't like Paul, uh, Paul had 10 kids and they all married into European, well, royal families, but a lot of European royal families. Yeah. The, the recently late Prince Philip, may he rest in peace, uh, in the UK is dis- is actually a descendant of hers. Yeah. So that means that Prince Charles and Prince Harry and, and William, which I like how we left William at the end. Yeah. Um, he's like, well, him and Charles is my least yeah. favorite. I like Harry. Uh, but they they are all du- relatives. Direct descendants. The they are, she is their like, great, 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 very great grandmother. Isn't that cool? I had no idea. So fucking cool. So she had a complicated and crazy life. That is the complicated and crazy life of Catherine the Great. And we had to leave out some really cool stories. So I do des- definitely recommend um, the book that is in the show notes. But man, let's let's raise a glass to a great life of Catherine the Great. Cheers to Catherine the Great. Cheers. All right, Nathan. Love you. Mwah. Bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.